The NFL scouting combine is next week. So which positions do you need to watch and what drills do the Cowboys care the most about? All that and more on this episode of the Lockdown Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Today, of course, I'm joined by Landon McCool. You can find him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, the NFL Scouting Combine is next week. Is this something you get excited for like me? Because I uh, this is maybe one of my favorite times of the year. You know, it's been weird. It's because it's one of the things that, you know, it, because of all the changes with COVID, it's felt very disjointed, obviously, the last few years. I mean, and, and we didn't just, even have you know, one last year. Yeah, didn't even have one last year. And then even the year before that, it felt like, uh, you know, very kind of restricted. So it's been a while since we've had kind of a normal, you know, combine. Um, and, and because of that, I, I think that, you know, my – um, excitement for it has waned a little bit simply because uh, I, I, it's been a while since I've experienced a normal one. Sure. So I am excited to kind of see, you know, what, what they come up with, I guess, this year a little bit. There has been some kind of controversy going on between the agents and uh, some of the rules that they're trying to en enact for COVID protocols. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they kind of shake shake out with. But, but as far as getting an opportunity to see these prospects, you know, kind of compete and, and, and see what they've got athletically, uh, and just to kind of peer a little bit deeper into some of these guys, I think that th that part I certainly am excited about. Yeah, I mean, we should mention the kind of the controversy that was happening. Was it last week? Uh, the yeah. NFL basically announced and told the players, hey, you're going to be in a bubble-like atmosphere. You're not going to be able to leave. Agents are not going to be able to come in. And the agents are like, no, if that's, if that's the case, we're just not going to send our guys there. Uh, and the, event the NFL eventually took down – uh, the restrictions, but they left in the bench is now part. The bench press drill is now going to happen on the same day that they do all the other athletic testing, which I know some players aren't happy about, but I don't know. That, that's, that's basically the controversy. I mean, basically what's, and I think the, the kind of thing that needs to be mentioned here is that because the NFL uh, has done such a, a a lot of work at trying to monetize the combine, yes. and then because of last year, they're completely missing the combine and doing an entire draft season without a combine. What is what it has done is in, emboldened the agents and the, and and the players to be uh, more particular about the way things are run, and and they have a say now because they feel like they can hold. The NFL over a barrel here to a certain degree because if they if their players don't show up to the combine, uh, you know the, the combine becomes less or at least the top end players, you know the combine becomes less of a marketable event. So I, I, I just kind of as a side note, I would imagine that things are going to start continuing to change and and, and be more uh, beneficial to what the uh, the players and, and sure. the agents want. Because now suddenly the NFL kind of uh, own gold this situation and has now given the the, uh, the the players and the agents a lot more leverage over them because they feel the need to sell this product 
uh, which is the NFL Combine. Uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing that we should mention is the schedule is much different than this year than what we are used to seeing. Yep. So, I mean, I'm sure you remember just a few years ago, it was players always worked out like nine o'clock Eastern time in the morning. Right. And they were typically yep. done by, I don't know, one o'clock, two o'clock. Right. Something like that. Well, now what they've done, Landon, is they've made it where you are getting measured at, in the morning. You are having you're doing the bench press in the morning. If you decide to do that, you have all of your typical interviews and exams going on. And then starting at four o'clock in the afternoon is when you start testing. So, I mean, these players are going to be up and around at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning and their day stretches. I'm looking at the time right now. They have them working out on the field from four to 11 p.m. Eastern time. Wide receivers, quarterback starting on uh, Thursday. Yeah, and and honestly, I mean, my take on this is that stuff like this is what is going to accelerate the. I don't want to say the downfall of the combine, or but I uh, but the beginning of the end of what we know as the combine, I, right? I Be, because I mean, the, the, the there's already outward pressure with some of the stuff. Uh, you know, the combine is facing issues with as an entity with, with the, with other technologies being better at kind of mm -hmm. measuring this athleticism, including the GPS, especially the GPS technology, it gives these teams so much more of a better insight of what kind of athletes these guys are on the field. So, you know, already off the bat, you know, the, the, the 40 yard dash and the, some of those other things are, are starting to become uh, uh, a little bit more of an antiquated measurement tool. Sure. And now and now you add in the fact that you're making these guys run at sometimes I mean I wasn't there somebody some people that were running still at like nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night. Oh I my mean, gosh, yeah. 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 So I, I just think that you know that's not exactly a great measurement or a true measurement of these guys. You know, if you're forcing them to run at 10 o'clock at night after a very long day of being poked and prodded, uh, you know, physically and emotionally by uh, the, the teams and their doctors. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this may be one of the, you know, kind of last of the normal feeling combines and, and things may kind of get a little bit weirder and a little bit more odd as the years go on. I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There was one player that reached out to me and I'm, I'm sure you can guess who it is. Anybody who listens to this podcast can, can guess, but they said, what should I do? And I said, I would almost advise you to do nothing at the combine. Go get measured, maybe do a couple positional drills. But like, if it's if you're not used to working out at 9 30, 10 o'clock at night after being awake all day long, I don't know if that's going to be in your best interest to do that kind of stuff, right? It, it, it almost doesn't make sense at all to do it this way. But the NFL can put the scouting combine in prime time, get more eyeballs on it, and they're going to pitch it to the players as, hey, Look, you're on national TV. People are going to get to watch you. That's going to help improve your draft stock. We just know that's not really the case, right? The worst thing that could have happened for this event is that people like Micah Parsons and Rashawn Slater and guys who not only didn't really didn't go to the combine last year because it wasn't a combine, yep. they didn't play last year. Yep. They they come in and are the best players in this entire rookie class, right? Yep. The guys who skip the yep. chase, obviously Chase is another guy, right? The guys who completely skipped the offseason process uh, for one reason or another and are the best players to come out of that draft. So, 
uh, I think that, again, with all the other things, really kind of devalued the need for for or, or the urgency for yeah. these players to kind of go to the combine and, and put you know huge numbers up because look, they can do that the same sort of thing in a much more controlled environment at their pro day, at their training facility, wherever mm-hmm. they've been working out, you know, this whole time. Um, the, the key thing I think for evaluators at this point is to get the numbers uh, in, in some kind of consistency. But I think the players and, and, and their agents are going to have a lot more leverage and say um, on exactly when and where those numbers are, are produced for the teams. I 100% agree. Uh, however, we know there's still going to be a oh, yeah. large number of players that do everything there because they they're going to feel like they can't afford to miss out on an opportunity to showcase their skills. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we're going to be looking for and the Cowboys are going to be looking for next week. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all of the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach fired is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to your favorite Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's uh, let's dive into a couple of positions that we're really interested to watch. I mean, I don't think quarterback is probably one of them. Running back, probably not another. But what's what's positional groups are you keeping an eye on, and what drill specifically are you looking at? Well, I mean, I, obviously, we're interested in kind of what the Cowboys are are uh, potentially going to be targeting. So, uh, you know, I would say offensive line, uh, mm-hmm. defensive line, linebacker. Uh, safety potentially are all positions where, I mean, wide receiver, I still think is going to be something that we should take a look at. Uh, And, you know, and each one of them kind of has their own uh, 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 set of, of hierarchy of, of events, events of testing uh, tests that, that kind of like tell you, I mean, it is like event. This is like the, yeah, I mean, it kind of, let's start with offensive line, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think honestly, they each have their own kind of, you know, test that you're really kind of zeroing in on. I think with offensive line, uh, traditionally the ones that I kind of check on are arm length simply because, you know, that's so important at the position hand size. Uh, the 20 yard split has traditionally been a very uh, strong indicator of 20 yard shuttle, 20 yard shuttle. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, of, 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 of what, uh, what, what kind of a, a talented offensive linemen are coming into the league. There's, there seems to be a strong, uh, correlation there between that. So that's always kind of a nice indicator. I, I mean, oh. the three cone drill, I think is valuable across the board, you know? Oh, I so agree. I would, I would, I would view that as well with, with, with heavy eyes. So those are some of the, the some of the things that I look for offensive line test. Yeah. For the Cowboys specifically athleticism at the offensive line position, like they just don't draft bad athletes very often at offensive line, like Connor McGovern, good athlete, Connor Williams, a great athlete, right? Tyron Smith, historically good athlete, Zach Martin, a good athlete. Like, that's what they want at this position. So if you see guys that are really lumbering out there, whether that's in the 40-yard dash or just the positional drills, I would be shocked if that guy is on the Cowboys' radar, right? 
There's certainly there certainly are exceptions to that rule. Travis Frederick being one, but I think overall speaking, yes, they they look for strong athleticism at the position, and and that is something that the, that you guys should be looking for when you're watching this. Is you know, it, it, and again, <laughs> not to have a conversation about thresholds, uh, but but I oh, think that, I like that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, you know, I, I think it's important to kind of really just make sure that some of these guys are checking boxes, right? And if they don't, if they don't, then you go back and and you see if you if that actually has an impact on their tape. But yeah. you don't just ignore it because you don't like the number, or you uh, you you think that that it's stupid to. Uh, apply athleticism to your evaluation of these players uh you you take the numbers you see what it actually means on tape uh and if the, it could indicate a problem with translating that use that person's game to the nfl i agree i, I think for the offensive linemen it they're really just about checking boxes right yes yeah. I, I don't think a guy who runs a really fast 20 yard shuttle is all of a sudden going to be on the radar for the cowboys like the tape has to be really good but they just want to make sure that you check all the boxes now Let's get to the defensive line. I want to specifically talk about edge rushers. So mm. this is one where obviously you mentioned three cone, but I think 40 is really important to not only the Cowboys, but Dan Quinn. So yesterday I went back and looked. Dan Quinn has been the head coach of the defensive coordinator for four teams that have drafted edge rush or four edge rushers that have been drafted in the first round, right? The Seahawks with Bruce Irvin, the Falcons with, Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley and the Cowboys with Micah Parsons, all four of those guys ran under a four, six. If they draft an edge rusher in the first round, I can almost guarantee you it's going to be one of those guys with elite, elite athleticism. Yeah, that makes, I mean, that, that is very much in line with the way he wants to play and obviously with the way he's dra drafted. So that doesn't surprise me, you know, and I think for most of the league, athleticism is important at the defensive end position and one of the position it's one of the positions where you know it's it, thresholds are uh are are very much uh, a, a good indicator of of success i mean not the only indicator there Correct. obviously are exceptions to it but it it, it can kind of help you uh, uh you know give a tie if you if you watch a guy and he's and he looks like he has middling athleticism on tape right and he gets to the combine and after a, a whole offseason of training, he isn't able to kind of muster, you know, even basic athleticism. Well, then guess what? He probably isn't athletic enough to play in the NFL. Uh, and, and again, like it, it, it serves as a means to kind of just filter out people that just may not be athletic enough to play at the position. There are exceptions to it. You go back and watch and, and, and watch the tape to confirm it. But, you know, especially for, you know, guys like this, when we're trying to determine who the Cowboys might pick, they clearly pick a uh, – uh, they have a, a, a tendency to pick guys at this position that have the kind of requisite athleticism, the 40-yard times, the 10-yard splits, the three-cone drills. Those are all things that are very uh, indicative of, of their ability to, uh, you know, use their bodies in a way to be able to get around some of these incredibly athletic tackles. Obviously arm length is another one. Mm -hmm. uh, again, going back to it, you want a guy with longer arms. Uh, and these are all things that you're just, uh, you, you know, you're, it is, it's a little bit more than checking boxes like it is with offensive line uh, because the, the, the athleticism is so much more important at the position. Uh, but again, it, it's about uh, seeing if these guys, uh, you know, seeing another way of seeing, hey, how does the tape translate to the NFL? Does this person have the athleticism to do what they were doing in college against NFL players? 
I agree. The other thing I want to mention for interior defensive line that I found under Dan Quinn is really, really values the broad when it comes to interior yeah. guys. So like you can see Oso Digizua, 87th percentile uh, last year when it came to the broad jump. And that makes sense, right? Because yeah. if you're a defensive line, it's all about your explosion, right? And uh, he had a 120-inch uh, broad jump, again, 87th percentile for interior defensive linemen. Go back and look at his draft history with the, the Falcons. Grady Jarrett, 87th percentile. Uh, John Kaminsky, who plays a little bit of end, a little bit of defensive tackle for them, 99th percentile. Like That's something that Rod Mar sorry, Rod Marinelli, Dan Quinn really mm -hmm. values on top of the arm line. So if you find those guys with you know, 34 plus inch arms and that are, have a big broad jump, I can almost guarantee you they're going to be on the radar for Quinn. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not even just that, you know, as a defensive lineman, you want athleticism. This defensive coordinator specifically has a, a stronger desire, maybe than most for that level of athleticism specifically. They're looking for explosive guys who can get up field uh, and get to the quarterback. That's and that requires obviously a certain amount of athleticism to accomplish that. So it, it's not surprising that they're going to be looking for very specific numbers to kind of match what they are looking for on, on the field. And that's guys who can get off the line quickly, get up field uh, and disrupt. Not, you know, they're not as concerned about uh, big dancing bears that are going to nope. two gap nope. and, and dance with the offensive linemen. Uh, I thought of another guy that was with Dan Quinn in, in Atlanta. Remember Rashid Hageman who yeah. uh, draft yeah. Twitter liked a lot. Uh, 93 percentile broad jump for interior defensive linemen. Yeah. It's just something that he really, really values at that spot. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys are looking to add even more defensive line depth there. Like they, they rotated a lot of guys there last year. Uh, Brett Urban's a free agent. Carlos Watkins a free agent. I don't know if Quentin Bohana is good at all. So maybe another guy third, fourth round with those kind of traits. Yeah. So. I, I think, I think, yeah. And, and, and especially the third and fourth round, you know, you're looking for probably guys that maybe are more athletic than they are productive for whatever yes. reason. You're looking yes. for upside guys. So that's, you know, then again, again, pointing you back to the combine as your guide to who has the kind of athleticism that they're looking for when they're tr targeting people in those rounds. Uh, linebacker. I feel like this one's pretty easy considering what the Cowboys did last year <laughs> in the history of Dan Quinn speed right that's that's yeah. really the thing they want here it's guys that can fly uh, i remember Deion jones runs a four five duke riley who they drafted in L yep. from lsu at atlanta four five eight at 232 pounds jabril cox ran fast last year michael parsons they they're probably not going to draft a guy high unless he runs a sub what do you think four six five four yeah. six two I would look at the numbers right now uh, for the positional data for linebackers uh, on mock draftable and the 40 yard dash uh, mean is four, seven, uh, four, seven, one, four. And then the standard deviation is like 0.134, which means that, you know, one standard deviation below that is like a four, six, basically. I yep. would say that that's the area that they're, they're looking for a whole standard deviation beneath at that least. quarter turn at least, at least. Uh, and, and that's kind of their target because they, they are obviously more than other teams looking for those under speed uh, undersized speed demons at linebacker who can you know, flow to the football quickly and can be useful in coverage yeah i mean it's it's the most important thing for him right they, they've got to have guys that can run to the football uh I'm, I'm trying to figure out what jabril cox's 40 was last year because he didn't run at the combine but it's, uh, i got it right here uh, pulling it up. He tested as a 98th percentile athlete. 
uh, ran a four five four forty at LSU's pro day. That's, That's pretty good. For. Yeah. That's pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go, go to, to the cornerback. Actually, we can just kind of lump these guys together because I mm-hmm. feel like they're very similar. Uh, the very first number one priority, Landon, is? Speed. Oh, arm length. Oh, sorry. Yes, arm, arm length. length. Yeah, yeah, for arm us. Length. Yeah. Height uh, and arm yeah. length, right? That's, that's what they want. That's right. They they definitely are looking for guys with those 32, 33-inch arms that if they can find them. Uh, the guys that can tie their shoes without bending over, uh, that, you know, and, and, and the idea is that, you know, with speed and length, uh, y- you create smaller windows. Every defense yep. is going to have windows. That's just, you know, it's not possible to cover every blade of grass in the NFL. Uh, but the, the idea is with, with the wingspan, especially the safety cornerback, you know, and really the linebacker position too, as well. Uh, you're looking for the kind of arms that can, you know, when spread out, close those windows. It gives you that extra inch each way, which, you know, doesn't seem like a lot, but it matters, you know, when you're playing a game of inches in the NFL. So having that extra wingspan, having that extra length to your arm is going to make you more appealing to the Cowboys because they know, hey, windows happen on an NFL defense. There's no way to prevent that. And even the best NFL defenses have throwing lanes and windows. The, the problem that what we're trying to do is reduce it to the smallest amount of area as we can. And and by having guys with length in the defensive backfield, uh, you, you reduce it as much as humanly possible. Yeah. I mean, the Cowboys are, what do you think? 31 and a half is probably their threshold. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that. I think that's pretty, like, that's what sounds like is average arm length. So yeah, if right. you're not, if well, you're not, they're not going to draft a corner under that. There's no way. Oh yeah. That's I, I would say that's the floor. Yeah. yeah like, that's I mean, the floor. So yeah. Kelvin Joseph last year was 31 and seven, eight and eight inches. And that's 67th percentile kind of felt below average for a Dan Quinn corner. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously I think they spent a lot of time, you know, looking at the other two corners, at the top of the draft with Sertan and Horn. And, and, and I think that, uh, with with Joseph, you know, it's his play experience at, at SEC, his yeah. athleticism is it was and the tape, you know, for what what you saw of him, it's what kind of you know, he he cleared the the, the arm. Oh, gosh, he, yeah. He, yeah. he just cleared it. But that's all he had to do because everything else kind of looked the way that they wanted it to for you know a, a guy that they're picking at that spot in the second round. So uh, yeah, I would say that he's kind of on the lower end of what they would deem as acceptable, um, but I would say that he's on the higher end of athleticism, Every, right. you know, and everything else. Again, thirty-one and a half is the floor. They're really looking for thirty-two and a half, if not more. So Trevon Diggs was thirty-three and three-fourths. Uh, Nation Wright, I believe, was was it thirty-four inches for his uh, Probably, 30, yeah. 33 inches. So I mean, you're. They're looking for guys that have really, really long arms. Uh, also, fun fact for you. Ready for this one, Lanham? Mm-hmm. There's currently three defensive backs in the NFL that are six foot four or taller. How many on the Cow- Cowboys? All three. All three. <laughs> All three. Uh, Israel Mukamu, J. Ron Curse, and uh, Nation Wright. Yeah. So now there's a safety in this year's draft, Kyle Hamilton, that's six foot four. He's probably not going to be in the Cowboys range to draft him, but you can bet Dan Quinn would probably love him. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other thoughts uh, about the combine coming up? Drills you're wanting to see? Things that we should mention for the Cowboys? We didn't talk about receiver, but it seems like they typically like guys that are 
in that what six foot range, close to two hundred pounds, it can at least run a sub four five five. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously they definitely were trending towards. I mean, I think the prototype for them is six one six two. 200 210 pounds yeah four or five or below 40 right like that's kind of what they're looking for across the board i really feel like cd's almost the the prototype right he's 6'2 198 runs a 450 that's yeah kind of because you can do a little bit of everything at that size and speed right yeah absolutely i think one of the other things that we should talk about is kind of what the marks of the numbers that we're looking for, uh, for instance, like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, we talked about three cones, right? Like uh, you're looking for uh, someone that can get, uh, you know, somewhere in the kind of uh, what's your, what's your threshold here? Usually like the for, six for, for receiver or for edge. Well, let's, let's start with, start with edge. And then we, well, we can start with receiver. It doesn't matter. If I would you're say... under, if you're, well, I'll, I'll go to edge real quick. If you're under yeah. 265 pounds, I want at least, at least seven, one or faster. Yeah, least. I agree. Yeah. Uh, now but if you're, you're looking two, for better. Yeah. If you're under 250, you better be under seven. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But and yeah, and... I mean, the, your top guy is like a first round edge should be somebody that runs under seven regardless of what their weight is right yeah agreed absolutely uh and and, and you see it sometimes even when defense <laughs> defensive tackles are able to get underneath oh that. My you gosh, know, it's, yeah. it's it's unbelievable some of the guys so i i would say for defensive tackle it's somewhere probably seven two or yeah no, if you can right? be around that range it's fine yeah yeah that would be pretty good uh for wide receiver uh you're looking under seven uh, you yeah. know, I mean, uh, yeah. for sure, seven would be kind of your very heavy ceiling. Uh, and then the other thing that we didn't really talk about that, you know, kind of is, catches my eye there is is the 10-yard splits. They aren't mm -hmm. official always, uh, but I think it's really important when you're talking about, you know, edge. You talked about 40 times with edge, but, I, you know, I think the 10-yard split is as important, if not the most important part of the 40 for them. Um, I, I think usually what we're looking for in the defensive line situation is something in the kind of one six area, right? Like, I mean, anything under one yeah. six, anything is, under is, one six is good. Yep, is good. Uh, and then probably one seven or one eight for 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 defensive tackles. Yep. Um, yeah, and then similar for for off uh, for wide receivers. It, it depends on the kind of wide receiver you are. I mean, you know, if if you're if you're more of a bigger bodied build up speed downfield type receiver you could probably get away with a little bit of a slower uh, 10 yard split. But if you're, uh, uh, you know, what's the Calvin uh, Austin or, you know, from yeah, Memphis yeah, or Memphis some of these, split. some of these shorter speed guys, uh, you want your 10 yard split closer to one five and maybe even closer to one four. If you're really, really fast, uh, that that's kind of where you're, you're shooting for. Do you know who has the fastest 10 yard split ever at wide receiver? Oh man, I know that it's someone crazy because we. I, I remember having a conversation about it with you, and it was and we it was blowing um, our mind. Give it to me. It's on mock draftable to verify it. It's one four zero, and it's Des Bryant. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so nuts that he had the, like. I mean, considering how. I mean, first of all, rocked up he is and gen was in yep, general. He was two twenty five when he did it, and he wasn't exactly in his best shape when he nope. did it either. So but that's partly why I made him so good. He was so quick after off the line of scrimmage that it was hard to stop. But that's kind of what you're looking for at receiver. Like, if you can get a guy that's over two hundred pounds and it's running a sub one five two ten yard split, that's when we get really excited, right? 
Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, look, with all this stuff, it's all about the whole uh, the whole baseball analogy about running to first, yep. right? You get two guys who can run to first at the same speed, one with perfect form and one with terrible form. Which one do you pick? The terrible guy with form. The terrible form. Yep. Because the guy with the terrible form, if you get him, make him a little bit better, he's he, he clearly has the natural athleticism to, to do this as fast as the guy who's practiced his whole life. So if you can improve his form a little bit, you're going to get that much edge. And, and I think that's what you're looking for. You know, you kind of – these numbers are not like all-encompassing or all-deciding you're looking at it, you're you're taking it and then looking at it through the lens of who the player is. Yes, you're exactly. either trying to confirm or deny, you know, what your hypothesis is that you've gotten from tape. You you get the hypothesis of what the player is from tape and then the athletic testing kind of helps you prove that hypothesis as best you can or at least, you know, if 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 it doesn't disprove it, you go back to the tape and well, figure out what's going on. I think Michael Parsons is a perfect example of that last year, right? We saw on tape that he was super explosive he was fast he was agile and he goes to penn state's pro day and just puts on a show right he runs a sub 4 4 40 his broad and three cone were just absolutely ridiculous and it's like okay that matches up with what i see on tape he's a superb athlete check 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 you know what i mean so that's mm -hmm. what you're really looking for here and there'll be a couple guys that surprise us because they test better than what the tape shows and there'll be a couple guys that Test worse than what the tape shows, and that's when we have to have conversations. But again, you're really looking for thresholds and just to check boxes here. And the great ones, and this is the kind of final point I'll make, is that with thresholds, you know, the great ones you discover, like, like you know, there's the constant talk about Jerry Rice and running a four six, which first of all is probably a BS story. Yeah. Probably. Uh, second of all. It's not like Jerry Rice wasn't breaking every single rec receiving record in the league that he was playing. And it's not like no one knew who Jerry Rice yeah. was. These yeah. guys, the cream rises to the top, even if their athletic testing doesn't uh, doesn't show that. So at the very least, you're going to get eyes on guys like that. And if they are the exception to the rule, they are the, the, the guys that don't need to clear 4-6 to be a wide receiver, then, you know, you – you, you, you still watch the tape, you still yep. watch them, and you just realize, okay, this guy may not have the same level of athleticism, but he may have talent to overcome it, uh, you know, much like Cooper Cup. Uh, I do want to say this. Just because you test as a great athlete doesn't mean that you're going to be a great player. No. But more often than not, great players test well, right? Look at the mm -hmm. Super Bowl, for example. Jamar Chase, 99 percentile athlete, ran a sub-4440 at 210 pounds. Aaron Donald, the most athletic defensive tackle in NFL history, right? He ran a 4.60 at 285 pounds. Jalen Ramsey in that game, the most athletic cornerback in the NFL. He's a three sigma athlete. Does their great does the athleticism make them great by themselves? Of course not. No. But but we're still doing athletics. Yeah. It's still it's still a yeah. sport. So athleticism does matter and and measuring it and and kind of using that as a tool to try to figure out how that that you know game tape will translate to a, a league which with much better athletes. It's important. It, it shouldn't be just summarily dismissed. I agree. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Tomorrow we've got a special episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Uh, Landon and our friend Joey, they're going to tear down the Cowboys and do an entire rebuild. Uh, you guys are going to make sure you want to listen to that episode. Uh, I'm out for the first day in forever, which is uh, kind of sad. But I'll be back here on Monday. Follow the show wherever you get your show, at Locked on Cowboys. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. 
We'll see you guys tomorrow.